0: available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the Agripod with Alice McFarland. On
1: this episode, the Agri-Food Innovation and Sustainability Enhancement Chair with the University of Saskatchewan is confident genetic improvements accomplished through gene editing will contribute to lower food prices in Canada. Sask Associate Professor Dr. Stuart Smythe says one of the challenges is there isn't a regulatory system for gene-edited livestock. And the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board has launched the Whole Hog Youth Ambassador Program, a new educational program designed to help share the story of pork production. I'll speak to Ambassador Rhys Podhodeski and Lynn Reddle-Huntington with SAS Pork, who described the purpose of the program. After the break, Stuart Smythe.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Dr. Stuart Smythe is an associate professor and the AgriFood Innovation and Sustainability Enhancement Chair with the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, gene editing is offering to increase the capacity of food production and hopefully contribute to keeping food prices a little bit lower in Canada. So Stuart, let's talk with Uh, maybe getting an explanation of what gene editing is and how it's accomplished.
0: So gene editing is an evolution of a technology that dates back to the 1930s when scientists were using chemical and radiation mutation to develop new crop varieties. And we've been safely producing and consuming these mutagenic developed varieties for 90 years now. So it's What gene editing is, is instead of the way mutation or chemical or radiation mutation works is where you can have tens of thousands of genes that are mutated and and the plant breeder then does their best to identify which key genes or key traits have have been modified the most. With gene editing, the plant breeder can precisely and in a very controlled fashion Go in and and increase or decrease or or remove a targeted gene. So it's a very precise method of um, improving plant. Uh, it's mainly been used in plant varieties so far. So it it it's how our plant varieties are going to be developed for the foreseeable future.
1: How far advanced is this science of gene editing, and how is it being used now?
0: Yeah, so so. There's a lot of research going on in Canada. There's, uh, we haven't actually commercialized, uh, a product in Canada. The United States has approved soybeans and those soybeans will, will be eligible to enter into Canada as, as conventional soybeans. Um, Brazil is, is very close probably within the, say, the next two years is the latest I've heard is that they'll have gene edited, um, crops on the market. So I would think that it, you know, in in Canada, we're probably within maybe three to five years of, of having gene edited crop varieties um, being produced in, and available in Canada. Gene editing is different than genetically modified, where under the genetically modified regulations, if there was a gene from a different species inserted into a plant's genome, then it it went through an additional risk assessment. And and Health Canada in in May of last year announced that their review of the science behind gene editing and and the targeted precision control offered by the technology was was just simply an evolution of mutagenic breeding. And and so there won't be any additional regulatory oversight. So it it's a significant benefit for Canadians and, and consumers as well is that it's going to increase the, the innovative capacity of our food production system and, and hopefully contribute to keeping food prices a little bit lower in Canada.
1: What are the key factors to consider when applying gene editing?
0: I think that the main thing, to look at would be, are there any changes at the genetic level that would be different from any any other breeding technology or technique that's being used in in any aspect of agriculture? And if the risk of using gene editing to change a gene is is no different than um, other targeted breeding technologies, the science would. Is, is indicating that the, the risk from any of those potential varieties or, or resulting offspring um, would, would be as safe as any other technology. So I, I think it's important that the risk perspective be looked at. And if, if the technology is not changing the risk, then we don't, you know, we don't need to be regulating it because you know, the increased cost of regulation is one of the contributors to higher food prices.
1: So what do you feel is the level of public interest in gene editing and how would you rate the public's level of knowledge especially as it relates to food production?
0: Yeah, so so there's been a, a number of surveys um the the public are are quite aware about genetic modification and and um, some of the products around it their awareness and and knowledge about the technology of gene editing drops off significantly because it it's a very new technology it was it's not even uh, been a decade since the the first publications uh, on the technology were available so the, the public uh, have have some concerns they they also uh when when asked think that the technology has the opportunity to to provide some benefits and and so it, it it's a bit of a trade-off for a lot of the public they're you know the their lack of awareness about it raises some concerns but but you know t- for the most part they tend to be optimistic about uh, some of the potentials that could come from the technology so it, I think you know we as the agriculture sector need has the opportunity um, to to reach out and and provide information to the public about you know the the potential advantages of using these technologies to you know develop new livestock and and Crop varieties.
1: So, what do you see as the key challenges? I
0: I, th- I think that the major hurdle is going to be will the, the regulatory system treat gene edited livestock as equivalent to conventional livestock, and um, that if that doesn't occur, then it's going to increase the the amount of time it takes to get. Um, New livestock uh, through any type of a, a regulatory system. One of the challenges that we have in Canada is is we don't currently have a regulatory system for gene edited livestock. So, so having to develop that system from scratch would would be a significant um, time requirement. And and there, there's no evidence so far that the risk is there to justify the development of such a system. So, um, uh, the potential regulatory barriers are, are probably one of the biggest challenges right now. I think it provides significant opportunities for agriculture to not only maintain but also increase production as the climate's change. That, that that's one of our our or one of the biggest challenges facing agriculture at the global level is, is how do we ensure that we're capable of increasing production as climate changes so that the end result isn't simply hundreds of millions of more people being food insecure. So agriculture needs the, the most innovative technologies possible to, to ensure that crop and, and livestock agriculture is able to be as productive as, as we possibly can.
1: Stuart, any final thoughts?
0: The research offers some, some really um, sort of game-changing potential benefits. There, there's some really interesting research out of Illinois where they're they're using gene editing to increase a plant's capability to photosynthesize, which means it sequesters more greenhouse gases as it's producing soybeans in this case. So, just imagine if we were able to put that technology into our forests. And we had forests that could, could sequester more carbon uh, than they're currently doing. So it, it might offer tremendous solutions to helping um, mitigate climate change. So I think you know, the more innovative we can be about gene editing, the, the greater the potential social benefits are.
1: Dr. Stuart Smythe is an associate professor and the Agri Food Innovation and Sustainability Enhancement Chair with the University of Saskatchewan. After the break, meet SASPORK's Whole Hog Youth Ambassador, Reese
0: Pothesky. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Saskatchewan has its first Whole Hog Youth Ambassador. Reese Potterdesky is a farm kid from Marsland, Saskatchewan. So Reese, thanks for joining us today and explain what the Whole Hog Youth Ambassador Program is all about.
2: The Whole Hog Program is set up so that young people can learn about the pork industry from someone close to their age. My role as a youth ambassador is to learn first by asking questions of people who work in the industry and then share what I've learned. I've been able to make some videos and have opportunities like this one to share information.
1: So can you explain for us how you are connected with agriculture?
2: Well, I live on a commercial hay farm with my family north of Saskatoon. We also have horses, and I have been involved in 4-H, and I get to help with lots of things around the yard. My dad's family raised pigs when he was growing up, and I've heard lots of stories from him and my nana. So what kind
1: of a message will you be sharing, and who will you be sharing that with?
2: I really want to share how much farmers care for their pigs. We get a lot of really great pork from pigs, but also a lot of other things that I didn't even know came from pigs. I will hopefully be sharing with lots of classrooms and kids my age about what I'm learning. I think it's important for people to know um, where their food comes from and lots of other products, too. Lots of people don't seem to know about a lot about agriculture, how much of it surrounds them.
1: And can you tell us uh, where we can find out more and maybe see some of those videos?
2: You can visit the website, saskpork.com.
1: Reese Podhordeski is the Whole Hog Youth Ambassador. Lynn Reddle Huntington is South Pork's communications and marketing manager. Lynn, we've talked to Reese, and he's going to be a great ambassador. So there's lots of excitement surrounding this new program.
3: Well, We are just thrilled to announce this program. Uh, as our country and even our province becomes increasingly urban, many young consumers don't know where their food comes from. And the pork industry is especially challenged to tell its story because of strict biosecurity regulations put in place for swine health. So Pork wanted to bring awareness and understanding about the pork industry to the public and in particular to young people in a fun and youthful way. Uh, so we are launching the whole hoggies ambassador program with a Brand new provincial uh, child ambassador with an agricultural background and uh, we're really pleased to announce him and his participation in the industry for the next year. Uh, Reese brings a natural curiosity and a keen interest in the hog industry uh, to the new role. Uh, He comes from an agricultural background and in fact his parents or his grandparents and his father actually once ran a genetic female nucleus. So he's a horse lover. He's been actively involved in the 4-H Light Horse Club and this is an enthusiastic, young, new ambassador. So we're, we're very excited about it.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about what his role will be and where we might see him this year? Our new whole hog ambassador will be
3: very visible throughout the industry and across our social media channels at Sask Pork. Uh, he'll be recording videos. He's touring inside barns. He's going to be doing a bunch of videos that will be released all year long and they'll focus on basic consumer questions like why do pigs usually live in barns? And also more behind the scenes content like what do pigs do for fun and why is the hog industry in Saskatchewan such a big deal? They're basic fun questions, uh, you know, that that we hope capture the imagination uh, and the audience of of people who may want to learn a little bit more about Saskatchewan's third most significant agricultural sector in the province. Because Reese is a grade 5 student, he really brings this Fantastic natural uh, inquisitiveness uh, about the industry, and so he's really just asking the questions that he and, and people who may not know a whole lot about the hog industry may may be curious about. Uh, with those biosecurity measures, it really does make it difficult to to bring the inside of the barn out to the public, just given uh, that it's so difficult to get inside with with equipment and all of the rest. Uh, so we really wanted to give this an opportunity uh, to show kids, in particular. Uh, what it's really like to be a pig farmer Uh, and funding for the program was made possible through the agricultural awareness initiative program in the government of Saskatchewan which is just such a great opportunity to work together uh, to do something new and innovative uh, across the province.
1: And I understand that will be uh, a lot of public appearances as well?
3: Pork is really a big believer in being out in the community and so Reece as our whole hog ambassador will be attending a variety of events across the province. He'll be attending things like agribition and community agri-education events. Uh, you may see him at the Saskatchewan Pork Industry Symposium in this next year as well. Uh, so we're really looking to take that learning and and bring it forward in, in a really fun and engaging way. Uh, he is a very special uh, young boy. He's grown up on a commercial. Hay farm, uh, so he's really got an interesting take on on the agri- agriculture industry, in particular, in this case, the hog industry. We really work hard to to showcase what we can about the hog industry, but recognizing that so many of of our partners and our producers uh, live in rural communities, uh, and so many of our our the public is in urban communities. It's challenging to, to bring that forward, and we thought, what better way to do that than through short-form videos uh, that we can share on our website, on our YouTube page, on our Twitter page, and really just bring that to the forefront so that people can really just get a much better understanding of the industry.
1: And certainly, Reese is going to be very relatable to the audience that you're trying to reach. Well, you know, what I would say
3: is the hog industry is not always uh, really keen to share their story. And so this is an opportunity to take an entirely different voice than we've ever seen. You know, we're, we're so fortunate to have producers that sit on our board of directors and have done some various interviews with media outlets over the years. But this is a really different take and it's allowing us to engage an entirely different segment of the population here in Saskatchewan to really bring an enthusiasm that we've never really had an opportunity to highlight
1: before. Thank you Lynn. Lynn Reddle Huntington is with SaskPort. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of January 30th, 2023. Canadian wheat exports were running ahead of expectations, but Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Ventures said wheat exports usually slow in February as cold weather restricts movement before increasing again in March and then peaking in May. Overseas, Ukrainian wheat production is being greatly affected by the war. More than 20% of Ukraine's wheat-growing area is in an active conflict zone. There continues to be strong debate over the size of the 2022 Russian wheat crop. Manitoba Beef and Forage is joining the Pan-Canadian Smart Farm Network at Olds College. The network is made up of smart farms committed to sharing data and expertise designed to help farmers, industry and developers better understand, use and develop smart technologies. Dr. Joy Agnew with Olds College says the addition of new producers helps to maximize technology and data when making tough farm management decisions. After a two-year pause, Cereals Canada has resumed its annual new wheat crop trade and technical missions. In December and January, four delegations made up of technical experts, the Grain Commission and farmers, traveled to Asia, Latin America, Europe, Africa and the Gulf region. Canada returned to above average production in 2022 with 34.7 million tonnes of wheat produced, an increase of 55% from the previous year. Saskatchewan stock growers are hoping Ottawa will make exemptions to trucking transportation rules for livestock. President garner Diabolt said there is a conflict between livestock health rules and the trucker hours of service. He said the U.S. exempts the rules if a driver is within 150 miles of the origin or destination. He wants Canada to do the same. Imperial said it plans to spend $720 million on building the largest renewable diesel facility near Edmonton. The plant is expected to produce more than 1 billion litres of renewable diesel annually from locally sourced feedstocks including canola oil. Rising demand for canola oil to produce renewable diesel is driving a major expansion in canola crush capacity in western Canada. Keystone Agricultural Producers in Manitoba has elected its first female president. Jill Verway of Portage farms with her family in a mixed dairy, beef and grain farm. She won the election at CAP's annual meeting. verway replaces Bill Campbell, who served the maximum four one-year terms as the head of CAP. The federal agriculture minister met with 22 representatives and industry officials to discuss the creation of the Indo-Pacific Agriculture and Agri-Food Office. Marie-Claude Bebo said this represents a $31.8 million investment under the government's new Indo-Pacific strategy. During the meeting, Agri-Food Canada and the Canadian Food Inspection Agency discussed the office's goals of increasing and diversifying Canada's agriculture and agri-food exports and strengthening trade. The industry representatives shared their perspectives on market priorities for the region, their international trade goals and their input on how the new office can support their business. Researchers are working to develop an improved vaccine to control foot rot in beef and dairy cattle. The project is being led by Dr. Jose perez Castle at the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization located at the University of Saskatchewan. Foot rot is a hoof infection which can be transmitted to other animals. The current vaccine is based on only one of four common bacteria that causes foot rot. The project recently received $243,000 in funding from the Federal Provincial Agriculture Development Fund. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, And make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes.
0: The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR agriculture director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.